What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Money Podcast. JJ Buckner just tried to guess what we we're going to talk about tonight, and he might have hit the nail right on the head. I, I, and, I, and I knew I, it. I know and, you. And I, and I totally lied to him and told him that that's not the case. But now we're recording, so I have his back against the wall, so we're going to talk about it. If you are new to this podcast, I promise it's going to be a good one. My name is Brad Finn, and I am joined with the formerly sunburnt, now really, really tan with a fresh fade, JJ Buckner. JJ, how we doing, buddy? Uh, not doing so good, bud. I, I'll be honest with you. We'll, we'll record this. We'll go with it. But this is an episode that I would love to become more prepared for. And you are throwing this on me live on YouTube <laughs> with no, no, because there's going to be so much information that I could bring to the table that I'm not going to be able to remember. But that's all right. Well, why we'll, can't, we'll go with why can't we we'll just shoot from the hip and have a conversation? I got a Let's beer. I got a beer open. Are you still drinking? Do you need to get another drink? No, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'll have to probably pee like six more times during this episode. So Tonight, we want to talk about the difference in dividend investing versus growth investing, meaning are you one of those people that has your dividend portfolio and 10 dividend stocks to change your life and my 2.5 passive income versus are you a Tesla guy? Are you following Kathy Wood and ARK Investments? Are, are you in long on Apple or Facebook or one of these two stocks? And, and kind of like the difference between the two. And the reason I want to have this conversation is because I've kind of been like on the fence. And I think you're almost in the same position where I don't think either one is better or worse. I think it's more of defining who you want to be an investor and where you are in your investing life or life cycle maybe. And also to mention that it's okay to change because full disclosure, I'm coming out into this episode as I'm kind of down on dividend stocks. And I'm coming out of this episode as I'm more of a dividend investor. Right. And I've made videos I mean, a year ago, every single one of my videos was about my dividend portfolio. And I kind of want to talk about how I've kind of like evolved around that and what my current position is on dividends versus growth stocks. And I, I think Aaron Azevedo is actually in the chat. And it really was the conversation we had with him when his episode came out, as well as other YouTubers and Adam from In The Money, he talked about it and I think the main re- the the main thing that I was coming from was I used to think that there's only one way to invest. You are either a growth fund investor, you are either a VTSAX mm-hmm. index fund investor, or you're a dividend fund investor. Yep. And now I'm like, should I I could change every month if I really wanted to? Like what's the big deal? Let's first talk. I mean, maybe you can start with like your History with dividend stocks, was it always your main thing? Because I think if someone's new to investing, they're either going to hear pick stocks, trade options, go index funds, or go the dividend route. So first I want to say this, and I gotta, I'm got i saying this again as a, as a, a warning, a disclaimer. And caveat, everything. caveat. I am, I am not prepared for this video or this episode at all. This is all literally like I, I'm a type of guy like when I come to do something like this, that's a debate or yes. 
I'm choosing to talk about certain things. I want to make sure my facts are straight. So I have to be very clear to all the listeners out there. This is literally coming off the top of my head. So I may say something that's off. Yes. I may uh, I, I may miss something that I know about, but I'm going to forget because my mind just don't work like that. But with all that being said, let's do this, baby. I threw you under the bus. I did. But let's do this. First and foremost, I, I don't think as an investor, if you're new, if you've been doing this for four years, if you're an, you know a, a veteran investor and you are way more knowledgeable than I am, you don't have to be a dividend investor. You don't have to be a growth investor. You can invest in both. Both have their pros and cons. And I know for the entertainment of this episode, I will lean more towards dividends, but I want everyone to know, and I want this to be clear. I invest in both dividend and growth stocks. But again, I will try to make a case for us dividend investors out there of some of the ways how dividends could maybe be a little, I'm not even going to say better. I'm just going to say why I like maybe like dividends a, a little more than growth. I was, I'll say that. I do. I can honestly say, I think I like dividend stocks more than I like growth stocks. And we'll get into the reasons why in this episode. Without like assuming people know certain things, you want to just give a 30 second recap of what a dividend actually is. I mean, really, basically, a dividend is a portion of the earnings that a company is earns, the profits. So when a company earns a certain amount of money from doing business, if it's a well-established company that can afford this, that as a thank you, as giving some money back, because you got to think, these companies that are paying these dividends are already well-established companies. They're, they're so big already that they don't need to use all of this extra free cash flow that they have to be able to invest back in the business and grow it. The business has already been growing. It's 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 slowly growing now. So now they have this extra capital that they can give out to other investors, the shareholders, me, you, Brad, whoever owns these dividend stocks. So it's just a it's a basically it's a it's a thank you. It's a hey, you're part ownership of this company. So you're going to share in the earnings that we earn. We earned it so much. Here's our free cash flow. We can afford to give you this because our dividend yields this here's your paycheck. Thank you. Yeah, because you have these growth companies that we're talking about. And, and and I can mention a few, but like companies like Tesla and Facebook, these companies are not paying a dividend because they're using all their revenue for research and development and to grow and or they're not profitable, things like that. These types of companies, they don't have extra money to give their investors a thank you card. Where a company like Pepsi... I mean, granted, they're doing research and development, and they're still growing, but they, they're bringing so much revenue, their growth of their share price isn't that incredible. So to offset the lack of growth where Tesla Tesla's up a million percent this month, you're never going to see that with companies like Pepsi. I'll use Pepsi often. So, so can we get into that real quick? Yeah. So this is one thing that really... And I think this is the time frame that we live in that makes me think this, but I could be wrong. This, this could have been like this back in the 60s and 70s. I just wasn't, I wasn't even alive then, so I don't know. And I haven't gone back and done my research enough to understand this, but I feel like all of our stocks, dividend growth, everything is so overvalued right now Yeah, because of everything that's going on in our economy that growth just takes it to the next level. 
Like I will come out and say it. Tesla is an overvalued stock. Hands down. If you think that Tesla is undervalued on a fundamental standpoint, I got to watch what I say here, but you're Kathy if, you, if you're looking at, yeah, I know if you're looking at just basic fundamentals of Tesla, it's, it's way overvalued, way overvalued. And I feel like right now in the time span we're in the market, we're seeing a lot of that. Now, what does that mean? Growth, growth stocks could still continue to way outperform dividend stocks. Absolutely. I agree with anyone who would say that. Even if Tesla does have a 1600 PE ratio, it doesn't matter because the unity and the community behind Tesla is so crazy right now that people are still buying. It's kind of died down a little bit, but before, you know, go back last year, you know, if I would have said Tesla was overvalued, I could have got my head cut off. I was the uh, village idiot. I would have got hung, you know, out in the uh, town square. Sometimes we get our heads chopped off. But Aaron Azevedo, he makes a point that I wanted to make. 75% of the returns from the S&P 500 from 1980 to 2019 came from dividends. Reinvested dividends. I will also add on top of that and say, don't, do you have to look me up? But I, I've heard this a couple of places is that if you would go back and invest in only dividend stocks from like 1929 in the S&P 500, or I'm sorry, if you go back in the 1929 or whenever it was and invest solely in dividend stocks, that would outperform the S&P 500. Right. So I like 2% or something like that. Some things that and questions that I get asked about dividend stocks is how they're taxed. They're taxed differently depending on there's different types of dividends, but generally they're going to be taxed a lot less than your standard income. But I will say that like the... And also, too, I get asked this, like, does the share price drop by the dividend amount? And that answer is yes as well. Like, the day dividends are pop, are, are paid out, what, you, you, they're not? I mean, dude, like... Are they? I've seen people say this in, 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 most, in most time, like, it may be, it may happen, but it, it's such a, it's such a quick thing. Right. That no, you don't even notice it. Because let's say this. No, let's say this. You let's don't notice your expense ratio no. of VTI coming out of the share nope. price, but it comes out of the share price as well. Listen, we're in, let's say you own Apple, right? We both own Apple. I do. So let's say Apple pays their dividend, right? Right. But Apple has some crazy news, or, or maybe Apple's not the greatest because somebody will consider that as a growth stock. But I'm using it for an example because they pay a dividend. So makes them a dividend stock. Apple comes out and they pay me my, my dividend let's say that the price drops according to whatever amount of free cash flow they've paid out in dividends for the next day. But then, you know, let's say Apple has some news or, or whatever it may be, or, you know, Apple's just having a, a great week. You're not going to notice that at all in the stock price. Now there are on certain occasions where you'll have a dividend payout and then the stock price will drop for a day and then it goes right back up to where it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Also, something else you got to think about is yield on cash. From your initial investment that you make in a company, and let's say you buy AT and T at nineteen at, at twenty six bucks, and they're paying a yield of of nine percent or whatever it was back then. Now I know they just recently cut their dividend; or they're getting ready to. But let's not let's not talk about that for a second. So let's let's say, or maybe AT and T is not the best example, but we're going to go with it. Just assume they're not cutting the dividend. So AT and T, you invest back in twenty six. Now they got a nine ten percent dividend, and then you. You AT&T grows up to, to $33. Well, your yield on cost, the amount of money you pay to earn that income is a lot higher of a dividend yield 
than the actual dividend yield that's being shown at that time because you bought in at an earlier amount. That's what's so incredible about buying dividend stocks at a lower value is because as the stock price goes down, the dividend yield goes up. So basically, you're getting more money coming into you at a discount whenever a stock price is down. Also, when a stock price is down, it's less risky. When a stock is down at all-time lows, it's much less risky of a stock if the overall fundamentals of the business is still intact. Like, yeah, if the company's going bankrupt, it's more risky to invest in a stock that's at all-time lows. But if you're looking at a company like Intel or something that's that's been at, at pretty low rates recently, but they're still a good fundamentally sound business, they have a good balance sheet, they got their numbers right, that's the greatest time to invest in a dividend stock because one, the dividend's at an all-time, maybe not an all-time high, but the dividend yield has fluctuated big time or it's 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 grown recently because of the stock price decreasing. They're still paying out the same amount in dividends, but the dividend yield is associated with the stock price. So now that you have the stock price down, you got a fundamentally sound business. Now you're going to be earning more dividends and also probably got some built-in growth in there coming as well because you're buying a valued stock. You're, that's what value investing is. It's finding, it's finding beat up good, solid companies at a discount that may pay you a dividend as well, which in return is going to grow in value also putting money in your pocket every single quarter or a month or whatever it may be. To say that you won't notice it isn't the same as saying it doesn't happen though. Like if they pay a 23 cent dividend, like that's going to come off when they, when they pay their dividends, it's going to come off the share price. I would stick my leg out there and say that there's been times where it hasn't happened. Well, a hundred percent. It may not have shown. It may not have shown because it was offset immediately. But that's the same as any growth. That can happen with any stock any day. So you can say that about dividend stocks, but look at growth stocks. If you get one little piece of crazy news in a growth stock, you can instantly lose 20% of your overall right. of your overall uh, ownership in a growth stock. Yes. And again, guys, um, I got I to gotta say this again. I'm coming up like... We're doing this for entertainment purposes. We're having like, a conversation. Well, yeah, we're trying to debate a little bit. I'm coming on the dividend side. Brad's coming on the growth side. Yeah, but... I haven't even got to look at the chat yet, and I, see, I keep seeing it going up and up and up. So I know we got a bunch of stuff that's... And here's really the difference that I changed. And and this is kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to speak to, and how I mentioned before, like starting off as a particular type of investor. I think it's awesome when you get an email notification that you got paid a dividend. I think it's awesome tracking your dividend increases over time. I think it's awesome to have those reinvested into the company with the drip program. I love that. And I still invest in dividend companies. But when I looked back and reflected on my situation right now, and here's kind of like the the change in mindset that I'm having. I said to myself, I can see that passive dividend income if you needed income. If you don't need the income now, why are you forcing yourself to pay taxes on income, which, whether you notice it or not, is just a slight fluctuation in the share price and the alternative being a growth stock that can go up, down, left, right, and you're never going to owe taxes on it, Hey Brad, let me yeah. let me interrupt you real yeah. quick. If I give you a hundred dollars, but I got to keep twenty of it, would you still take it? Yeah, 
You've, yeah, I mean, like, like I don't worry about taxes with dividends. I really don't. Like, yeah, I have to pay them in my brokerage account. I get but it. But it's still it, right, Grant. But I mean, you're putting you're putting an ultimatum and saying I'm going to give you a hundred dollars and I got to keep twenty. But if you said to me, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars, and you can collect the money now or later, and later you can keep all hundred, or now you can keep eighty. I might say. I don't need the hundred dollars now. I'm going to hold on to it and see what happens in, in the near future. So let me ask you this then: Given the times we're in, markets at all time highs, S and P PE ratios up there of upwards of you know back to 2008, 1987 levels. I think from 2000 and or 99 or 2000 to like 2003 or four, we were in a bear market, right? A consistent downtrend. Mm-hmm. During that time, let's say you're 60 or whatever it may be, or 50 or whatever, during a bear market, would you rather be in growth stocks or dividend stocks? I'd probably... I'm 60 years old when this happens. Uh, you're older, yeah. Well, um, when I, I guess it really doesn't matter. If you're in a bear market, would you rather be in dividend stocks or growth well, stocks? It matters curious. a lot to my point where do I need the income from the dividends or can I wait out the storm? So do both scenarios then. That's, that's a good point. If I need the money, I'm for I'm for dividend. I'm for passive income. If I need that passive income to survive, and therefore that will be income, and I'll pay the taxes. So let me but ask you this thing. If, but hold on, okay. if I'm young, right. and I can weather the storm like last March, and I can weather, and I have a couple storms to go, I don't want to pay taxes on money that I don't necessarily need right now. When I can wait and get to the point in my life where I do need that passive income and I can transfer out of growth into dividends. I, I think it's safe to say that as far as like capital gains and real, unrealized capital gains, would you agree that growth stocks are probably going to grow more than dividend stocks? If you're just talking about an ETF. So you don't think that the share price of Apple is going to go up more than the share price of Pepsi over the next 10 years? Well, Pep- Apple's a dividend stock. Apple is not a dividend bank. Well, they the pay hell a dividend. Is it? They, Does they, it pay a dividend? <laughs> Does Apple pay a dividend stock? Last time I checked, I got paid by Apple. Stand by. Do you think that the share price of Facebook? Well, hold up, though. That brings a great. That brings up a great. Because we have what dividend point. growth? No, hold on. Let me get yes. back to my point. Okay, go ahead. Do go you ahead. think that the share price of Google? Is going to be more is going to grow more in ten years than Pepsi. Uh, the share price of Google will grow more than Pepsi. Yes. Okay. So if you don't need the money in dividends and you know that you are going to get more realized capital gains out of Google, why not invest in Google now? Let it grow more than Pepsi. Not pay any forced taxes on Pepsi's dividends. Then in ten years. When you're ready to retire, you can sell off all of your Google, buy some amazing, incredible dividend stocks, and now live off the dividends. And now, okay. so real quick, you're comparing something that's, you know, such a, a darling of a stock of Google to the thousands of other growth stocks out there. Facebook. So the, the reason I'm saying is, you give me 50 dividend stocks 
you give me 50 growth stocks picked at random, at random, which portfolio do you think could outperform each other? 50 growth versus 50... We're going random? Completely Ran- random? Literally 3,000 basket of stocks, right? And you... You said, you Brad, to, I'm going to give you... This I'm, is your retirement. Hang on. This is your retirement. And you have to say this. Brad, you get 50 stocks at random. You don't get to choose them or nothing like this. Okay. They're in a basket. Yeah. 50 of them's growth. 50 of them's dividends. At my current age? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want. It does matter. Yeah, sure. I'm going to well, go. Be, be 20, be, uh, be 40. Because here, here's the point I'm making. Go I'm, ahead and answer. I'm going go gro- to go growth. Okay. So now let's say this. Let me ask you this, though, because you shut me down a second ago, and I, I've been wanting to ask you this. Do people or do you invest in Apple for its dividends or for its growth? Both. 100% growth, both. Because here's here's the point why. Because a dividend growth stock. It's no, a, not, not, not just because it's a bonus. I'm getting in at these levels now for Apple. Go back and look at uh, look at IBM. Right. Go back and look at IBM back in the 90s. And they were paying like a, uh, it's like a 50, per, 50 cent dividend or whatever. The massive growth IBM's had over that decade. Right. Not only in 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 um in stock price, but also in dividends as well. Right. I think Apple's going to be a, another IBM twenty years down the road, but maybe hopefully performing better than IBM is now. But the fact that the growth you've had, not only from the dividend, and think about all the money you could have invested at the beginning stage of IBM, earning only that fifty percent or fifty. I keep saying that fifty cent dividend payout to where now it's like six dollars. Not only have your stocks grown in value over the years, but your dividend has grown massively as well. So you're getting double the return to where if you're just in Google, you're only relying on the share price and that's it. At least I know with IBM, I'm getting a, a, a great company that's going to grow in stock price and also grow the dividend hefty, hefty, heavily, hefty, heavily, well, hefty, heavily, same thing. Yeah. So that's that's another bonus of dividend stocks as well with those dividend growths. Like look at ATVI, look at Visa. Some of my favorite stocks and I own them. And they're both. That's what I love. Like dividend growth, I think, is a, a game changer. And that's kind of where I lie more in is I'm way more of the lower yields, more growth potential than I am more like like our three M's, our Pepsi's right. and whatnot. Procter and but, Gamble, but, but, Kimberly but, Clark. Like, but no, here's but those are staples of a portfolio though. Those are companies. That Would you I say those are like up. the bonds, like the boring bonds of of maybe a stock picker's portfolio? Sure, maybe yeah. Like they're definitely more conservative investments. But like, would you tell a twenty year old to invest in three M, Procter Gamble, Kimberly Clark, and Aaron Azevedo says my yield on costs for Apple is almost three percent. Apple has never had a dividend yield higher than one point five percent. That's crazy right there. That's ins- that's awesome. Also, something you have to think about is stock buybacks. Look at companies that are going to be buying stocks as well. That's that's included in your dividend yield technically because there's something out there that's called the buyback yield or whatever. So you have the dividend yield that the company will pay out, but you also have the buyback yield that the company is going to pay out because what they're doing when they buy back those shares, this is one of the, this is something that a lot of investors don't think about is outstanding shares. Guys, when you're looking at a company right. and you see outstanding shares decreasing, that's 
huge. Great. Because when those outstanding shares decrease in the amount, that means your amount of shares are going to grow in value because there is a less amount of supply out there. So when companies are buying shares back, mm-hmm. you're going to be gaining value in those shares. Now, if companies are putting more shares out there, like Tesla, Tesla, you know, it's going to all, not always, but they keep throwing more shares out there, diluting your share in the company, your ownership in the company. Because now let's say you owned a hundred shares and there was only a thousand shares out there, but then Tesla's going to say, oh, we're going to do another thousand shares for people to buy. Well, now your percentage in the company that you owned is now much, much lower. So that's something to think about too, as well, with those types of companies that are not only paying a dividend, but doing stocks buyback as well, which is in return helping your growth in that company. Okay. Now back to like the 20 year old, like what you're going to tell me to do. I think we can both agree on one thing, like dividend growth stocks, like what are we saying? Like yields, maybe like under 2%. We'll call those like the dividend growth stocks. Yeah. But what do you say? And and this is just more things that run through my mind. What do you say about, you know, the dangers of like, the mouse cutting dividends last year or what AT&T did recently. These people that have been depending on, and I mean, maybe this is the balance that we're looking for. Maybe you can't depend just on growth and just on dividends. Maybe it is that balance because I don't, I know a hundred people that were heavily invested in AT&T and I don't know if there's one of them that it did it for more reasons than the fact that they paid a 7% dividend. And now the fact that they're not paying that dividend anymore, AT&T is pretty much, is pretty much useless to them. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, when you got a company that's pretty reliable, like AT&T, and they're still paying an 8% yield, yeah, I mean, dude, that's, that's why is that not, it's pretty attractive. But what I was going to say too, before you even brought up AT&T, when it comes to like cutting dividends and whatnot, This is why it's so important to look at the overall, and Brad, you'll agree with me on this 100%, the overall financial health of a company. Right. And that's kind of the things I was talking about in my previous video is like looking at, you know, the net debt to capital, the net debt over, you know, to EBITDA, like little things like that. There's different scenarios you can look at the current ratio, like looking at total current uh, assets versus total current liabilities. What that shows you is how that company can perform on a short-term basis. So if a company has more total current assets than it does total current liabilities, basically what that's telling you is that they could total current liabilities is like short-term assets that they can liquidate, liquidate, meaning they can turn into cash within about 12 months or so. Right. Same thing with liabilities. Total current liabilities are liabilities that could be called upon within the next 12 months or so. They're short-term. Yeah. So what's what you like to see in a company, and it depends on industry. Some industries are different. Some industries may have less current assets than current liabilities. That's more maybe like inventory, you know, focus or whatever it may be. But for a majority you like to see total current assets at least matching the total current liabilities, which would be a ratio of one, 1. 1.5 or higher is what I really like to see, but I'm not going to say I would never buy a stock that doesn't meet that because I would, but you just got to look into it a little more. But when you see stocks like that, that have a balance sheet set up like that in the short term, and then you can look at the overall net debt versus the earnings, the overall net debt versus the the the, the capital structure of the company, those are the things that can really save you as an investor is truly understand. You got to think you can't just look at the stock price. That doesn't tell you anything. 
If anything, I wish people could not see stock prices and have to evaluate the company and say, this is what I'm willing to pay for it. Let's see if my order gets executed. You are very, very right. And Aaron made a good point too. And I think that's kind of what you were going for. And for the people in the chat that don't know, you just did make an amazing video about like picking dividend stocks and like your checklist of things that you go through. And if if you're in the chat or if you're listening and you haven't seen JJ's video on that, I think it's one of your most recent videos. It just came out, but mm -hmm. Aaron kind of mentioned in the chat something that's, I think something we definitely can both agree on, like dividend yield hunting is not uh, a good thing. Not at all. Not at all. And I, I mean, I back when I was making dividend videos, I would say like, once I'm at like the 7% route, I'm like getting a little sus, a little sketch. And then AT&T, and this is a freaking great example because for the last year, I've been clouding, about, talking about how amazing AT&T is, and everyone's been like, you talk about how 7% is suspect, but yet you love AT&T, and boom, look what happened. They were the first one where like shit hit the fan, and here we go. And it's like, maybe they were a little suspect. Maybe they... They were following those exact guidelines that I thought they were following, but I still can't like get over the whole like forced income if you don't need it. And I guess the point that I really wanted to make, or at least want people to understand, is that when I first started my dividend investing career, I thought that I had to start small, start at zero make my 11 cents, then make my 50 cents, then make my 30 cents and get my shares up and build this, that, and the other thing. Where now I'm thinking I could take advantage of some amazing due diligence and I could take advantage of some growth in some growth stocks, whether they're primarily growth or they're in this like growth dividend, whatever. And then when I need the money from dividends, I could... I can essentially take Google and I can run them for 10 years. And if they do what I think they're going to do due to my due diligence, I can take all of that money out in 10 years and put it into Pepsi and I'm still going to get the, the dividend yield from Pepsi. I just, I can't wrap my head around. And, and you mentioned before, like, yeah, are you going to step over an $80 if it's really, are you going to step over a hundred dollar bill if you only get to keep 80? My answer is definitely no. Like I love the dividends. But if I don't need them, why am I going to take them right now? It's still it's still taxes. Well, it's a performance thing too, though, man. Because you got to think about it. you're you're getting to reinvest these dividends back into these companies. That's that's basically free money that you're going to be able to reinvest back into help your compound growth. And I'm, again, I'm not saying growth stocks are bad. We're just we're doing this as right. a debate. But the first thing is is you're getting in early. You're getting in early to these stocks that paid dividends. And if you truly hold these stocks for 20 plus years, think about the amount of growth in one, not only the stock price, but two, the amount of dividends, though in those initial stocks that you purchased the first five years of buying the company are going to pay you years down the road. Aaron Azevedo, for example, with the 3% yield on costs of Apple, who's never paid a higher of 1.5% dividend yield. Also, you're going to grow with the dividend, kind of what I was saying earlier. As the dividend grows, you're going to be earning more money. So wouldn't you want to be kind of taking part of that just as like just as like a growth stock? Well, yeah, it'd be nice being at Tesla at $150, $200 bucks and grow with the company and grow with the stock price. Well, you kind of are doing that with a dividend. And here's the next part is the overall performance. History explains itself. 
going back, looking at from 1929, if you would have solely invested in dividend stocks, you would have outperformed the overall S&P 500 from growth by like 2% or something like that. So just because growth's rocking right now doesn't mean growth's going to be rocking 10 years down the road. So yeah, you may, you may buy Google right now. Let's okay. Here's another great example. So you think this is a hype train right now? You think that you think dividends are the long term play, and you think growth is a hype train? Uh, no, I wouldn't necessarily say that because there are definitely gro- good growth stocks out there that will definitely outperform dividend stocks. Google, Amazon is a great example. You know, like I would be an idiot to say Pepsi's going to outperform Amazon. No, that's a, that's a that's a stupid thing to say. I would not say that. But we're talking about we're pinpointing like. When we make these arguments, we're pinpointing like one or two stocks. We're not pinpointing right. general. We're not being general. Many different growth stocks out there that are not going to make it or that are will not perform as well as some of these well-established companies. Well, here's my thing. I'm a, my overall kind of thesis on that, or my overall like final thoughts is I'm tend to be more conservative. Brad, you know this. Mm-hmm. The loyal listeners probably know this already. I can sleep better at night knowing that I have. 65 to 70 percent of my brokerage accounts that I own stocks in is in dividend stocks. I just feel better. And then I have my 30 percent of my brokerage accounts set for those great possibilities, the PayPals, the Googles, the Amazons. You know, I may have a couple little like, you know, tattooed chefs, like the little like ones that I think may pop over the next four or five years or so. And then I'll take my profits and throw it into Pepsi or whatever or VTI. But overall, man, like you know, there could be some much better arguments out there too for for growth versus dividend, but I don't care because I know I'm going to still win investing in dividend stocks. Is it the protection against like stock price fluctuation that like is you're saying like you can sleep at night? No, it's I mean no, it's not only that because I can handle volatility like anyone else. It's right. the fact that I'm I'm investing in for the most part better quality set up established businesses. Google, Amazon, take that out of the picture. I could sleep all night knowing Amazon's going to fluctuate and Google's going to fluctuate because their balance sheet looks like no other. The company set up the business, the overall business is set up great. I could sleep, but like, like my, like, you know, some of these smaller growth stocks, these small cap growth stocks, you're getting a little, you're walking on the tightrope there a little bit. So if you if you stepped on five grand, you had to put it in a stock. Is it going to be a dividend? Is it going to be a growth? Or is it going to be a dividend growth? I won't make you pick one stock. I mean, if you have one stock that's like in the front of your mind, you have five grand, you got to put it in today. What's it going to be? Dividend growth. Yeah. A Visa, an Apple, a Microsoft, something like that. Because it has the best of both worlds. Absolutely. I, I mean, I can't disagree with you, but I would say like when I buy a share of Apple... I'm thinking more about the potential capital gains growth than I am dividend growth. Yeah. I I mean, I would agree with you on that. Still, it pays a dividend though. No, it does. (laughs) And I mean, I think we could even, if we needed to, we can even draw this in like the difference between, you know, drip income. And then when you get to the point where you're actually reclaiming those dividends and taking them out and using them as income, I don't, I don't know. Like it was more like I needed to hear you say some of these things because I I I don't know exactly what my position is. I I love dividend yeah. growth stocks. I love them. I want to say this real quick though cuz like I want to make sure like to tell the audience this too. Like I am not trying to sell you on dividend stocks. Like I I, I right. No, and I'm not I'm not trying to say you are either. Yeah, and this is just like a uh, a fun entertaining debate from dividend versus growth. 
but I I I want to be I just want to make it fully aware that I am still investing in div in growth stocks as well. You know, like I, I I have to I have to let that be known that I'm not only fighting for dividend stocks here. I just did this for the you know the fun of it. As Vito says, my yield on cost for Microsoft is five percent. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Do you want to explain real quick what yield on cost is? Basically, in, a, in, in layman's terms, when you buy a stock at a certain price, you get that dividend yield. Like I talked about earlier with the stock prices being lower, when the stock price is lower, you get a higher dividend yield. Your yield on cost is, is calculated based on the price you're initially buying that stock for. So it can calculate that saying what your true dividend yield is because based on the price that you bought it at versus just buying a dividend stock at what the current level of price is and what the current dividend yields. Because uh, for example, like let's say you do your growth stocks, you don't buy any dividend stocks and then you are 50 years old and you got a million in the brokerage you're like okay i want to sell all this growth and i'll put it all in the dividend stocks well you're only going to get the yield returned on your money from what that current price and dividend yield set at to where if you would have owned those stocks for 20 years you would have been a lot you have you have a lot more growth and a lot more income built into those because now you're getting more money paid out because you were able to buy those prices at a right. lower price. It's kind, it's not the same as dollar cost averaging, but it's kind of like a little bit of averaging over time where essentially your your cost basis or or the price that you've paid per share doesn't necessarily directly relate to what the current dividend yield is. It's more along right. lines of what your moves have been. So when he says his yield on cost is 5%, well, the current dividend yield for Microsoft is way below that. But because he's consistently been investing in Microsoft and and there's reinvestments and things like that, that his cost per share, according to his basis, he's really getting a 5% dividend yield is what you're saying. Correct. And that's awesome. <laughs> yep. It's amazing. That's what I love about dividends. I'm so, so you, so essentially if you were talking to a guy like me, that's trying to debate this topic and he said, and it's because of dividend payouts grow annually. Yes, they do. I'm just saying like, if you look at the five-year chart of Pepsi, it's been pretty flat, pretty flat. I know. It's just so hard to do this debate though. Talking about one stock, you got to look at it overall. Because like not every stock's going to perform like Amazon. Not every stock's going to perform like Google. You're going to have so many stocks that underperform. But if you take all the if you take all those Fang stocks though, I mean, what's the list before you're like you can't count this, you can't count Facebook, you can't count Google, you can't count Amazon, you can't count well, some of those Fang stocks are dividend paying stocks. Which one? That's my point, I guess. Which one? What are the Fang stocks? Facebook. Uh, you got Facebook, no. Apple. Okay, Apple. Dividend. Yeah. Amazon, no. Netflix. Apple's a fang stock? Yeah. Apple and Amazon. And then Netflix and Google. Really? Yep. F A A N G. I'll look it up just to double check, but here I am. No, no, here I am sounding like an idiot. I just I maybe it's the other part of me too that's like I can't wrap my head around the dividend growth stock. To me, I'm still like your growth. You either invest in a company for its growth, or you invest in it for its dividend. I, I'm even though I do it, <laughs> I still have like a problem like wrapping my head around buying a stock and saying to myself, "Yeah, yeah, I'm totally in for the growth and a little bit of the dividend." I think of it more as when I'm buying a stock like that, like I'm thinking of it as I'm in for this dividend twenty years down the road. 
Like Visa's paying me a 0.5% or 0.6, whatever it is, dividend yield right now. But what's Visa going to be paying me 20 years from now? That's what I'm excited for. Yeah, but and by the same token, though, could could I take, I guess, that yield on cost again? Yeah. Yeah, you're not getting in at the lower amount now. You'll have to pay for whatever dividend yield is paying for, you know, is what Visa's paying out 20 years from now, not what you're buying in right now. Right. Because you got to think when, when Visa's paying a 2% dividend yield 20 years down the road, you may be earning, based on your original capital invested, you may be earning 5 6%, 7%, whatever it is. I'm looking at this FANG thing. Some people say FANG includes Apple. Some people don't. Like I'm seeing FANG is just F-A-N-G and then FANG is F-A-A-N-G. I think at the end of the I've day... I've always heard of Apple included. At the end of the... I mean, you have to throw Apple in every conversation, I feel like. They're Apple. But I mean, do you think that I'm a donkey for backing down my dividend investments on things like, like I wish I could like share, actually I will share. Let me, if I say like what's in my personal portfolio as far as like, I don't know, like my dividend, just like my dividend plays, like just straight up dividend plays. Right now I'm an M1 finance user. So my dividend stocks in my dividend pie, I have it 7%. So I have my Vanguard index funds at 70%. My growth stocks are at 23%. And those growth stocks include Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Disney, NVIDIA, Tesla, Vuzi. So a mix of those growth and dividend growth stocks. But if we look at just my dividend stocks... I have AbbVie, Pepsi, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Home Depot, which Home Depot could probably be a little bit of dividend growth, Realty Income, 3M, J.P. Morgan Chase, Duke, Kimberly Clark, Procter & Gamble, and Coca-Cola. Don't tell anybody I said that. I mean, is am I a donkey for having it that low, for saying that I only want 7%? And my goal being like, I have a feeling that when I'm 50 this will probably be the 30 to 40% and my gross stocks would be less. I would never tell anyone they're an idiot or a donkey or whatever for how they have their investments set up. It's all about what works for you. Like you may want to be more in the growth and I may want to be more in the dividends because I think I could get that two, $3,000 in annual income within the next four or five years. And that's what my, that's what my goal is. I don't, I'm, I may, I would feel okay maybe losing a little bit of growth in my portfolio to know that I have that passive income coming in that's going to pay for my bills and me to be able to travel around the world and not to worry about work five years down the road. And I agree with that 100%, but do you believe that there is a time and a place for that? Like right now, I'm working my nine to five. I'm hustling. Like, Dude, if I saw a 19-year-old kid only being a dividend investor, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't give two shits because... The dude's investing money. He's going to be earning passive income. He's going to be doing compound growth from his dividends being reinvested back into the companies. No, I, I wouldn't. And if he was in 100% growth, I don't think that's a bad, bad ordeal. But I would say this. You know, you may be in 100% growth, whatever, but I still think there's a time. Like, you need to be... I personally think most 98% of investors out there need to be in an index fund. 
You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it all comes back know, to the good old VTSAX. Yeah, it's so true, though, man. Like, you know, it, it takes a lot to really cherry pick these good companies. And if you may, if you have majority of your portfolio, you know, like all my retirement, m- most of my retirement is in uh, index funds to where like 50, I'm trying to build up 50% of my brokerage accounts is in VTI, VTSAX ETF version. And then the rest of the 50, 50% is made up of growth and dividend stocks. Somebody in the chat just asked, does VTSAX pay a dividend? Yes, they do. I'm looking yeah. and seeing what it's it like is 1. right 1. now. like 1.6% or something like 1. that. 1.6%? Yeah. Yeah, so they, they definitely do too. And yeah, it, it, because without that foundation, this is a moot point. Like, I'm not for picking any stocks whatsoever yeah. if you don't have a foundation in VTSAX, VTI, FSKX, or... Yep. Any one of those, but yeah, you're getting, you're getting a dividend. I think right now in my Roth IRA, which is valued, I just did a video recently. I think my Roth IRA is valued a little over thirty thousand dollars, and I'm getting ninety dollars a quarter um, from VTSAX dividends, and it's th- that thirty thousand dollars is it's all VTSAX. That's all my Roth IRA is, and I think yeah, my last dividend payment was ninety three dollars. So that's pretty much, I've gotten to the point where every quarter I'm buying myself a share of VTSAX, which is awesome. Yeah. And you got to include that in your growth too. You know, if VT if VTI or VTSAX grows, you know, 8% next year or 10% or 12, 20, whatever the market averages, you get to include those dividends on that growth as well. Mm-hmm. So that's another bonus. Ah, oh, man. I feel like you were either going to change my mind or I was going to feel like a superhero at the end of this episode. So what happened? And I still feel like I'm in the same... Like in the middle, yeah. Yeah. I'm still for dividend growth. I'm still okay with the fact that I'm not really pushing those staple dividend aristocrats. But it's there was a time in my life when I said out loud to people, I will not invest in a stock if it doesn't at least pay a little bit of a dividend. And... I mean, that was just like ignorance and lack of due diligence to say that. We know that's not true. That's not true to this day. But I I see like it, it is a good protection plan. Like there's a good there's a good like feeling of knowing that like Apple pays a little bit of a dividend because there is that share price fluctuation and volatility protection. Yeah. It just comes down to what you want to do, man. I mean, that's all it is. Like like does Warren Buffett give a shit about share price? Well, I mean, that's that's actually a, a good point. Warren Buffett never has paid dividends from Berkshire Hathaway, if that says anything. He never he has. Mm-mm. No, and he never needs to. Nope. But I'm saying as far as the dividends that he collects. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, here's my thing, too, on that, though, man. Like, like I'm real big on cash flow. You know, like, I like cash flow. I would take a hit in growth to earn more cash flow now, knowing that I could be away and like be more set up now from to live off that cash flow. But again, that's my circumstance. Right. Somebody like Brad who is comfortable at his job, enjoys what he does, doesn't need, doesn't need that cash flow right now. I can see why you would want to do more growth and then worry about that cash flow later on down the road. It's just all about what you want to do. I would want the cash flow sooner rather than later to leave the job or whatever I'm doing that I hated to have more of that freedom at a at a sooner date. It's maybe like a little bit even like a little bit of a risk tolerance too. Real quick, last question from the chat and then let's wrap this thing up. I think this is going to be a perfect ending point. Say you're up on VTI, do you wait and just buy another share 
or try and get a certain price. I never try and get any certain prices. Meaning with VTI, I don't either. Stocks I do, index funds, I'm buying for the long term, baby. Every time I have money, whether it's raining, snowing, buying it, buy whether it's up, down, buying it's it. a crash, COVID's buying back, it. buying it. Buying it. I will buy VTI at ninety or to eighty to ninety percent of my net worth until the day buying I die. It. Buying, buying it. it. There's been buy, like buying it. <laughs> I cannot and I mean you and we will wrap this up. I, I lent you the simple path to wealth and you've always been a you've always been on board with VTI and VTSAX. How did reading that book reinforce that? Definitely got me more motivated to even put more money into yeah. VTI and VTSX because the it's the surety, if that's even a word, of the investment. Knowing the money I'm putting in now at a young age, most likely I don't even give a shit if we're at all-time highs in the stock market. 30, 40 years down the road when I pull my money out of my retirement account, I guarantee you VTI is going to be higher than it is right now. Guarant it. Yep. Which is good. It's very good. This was a good one, dude. Lieutenant Dan said, we don't need to worry about money anymore. I said, that's good. One less thing. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, I got he, some ice cream. He got us investing in some fruit company. <laughs> and he said, we don't need to worry about money anymore. <laughs> All right, JJ, you got anything else you want to add before we get out of this uh, Monday episode? The first Monday release of me being on summer break. So let's go summer. I'll just say this. I'll reiterate it again. Um, I wasn't trying to you know, steer people to dividends or growth because I am both. I like investing in both. This was strictly for an entertainment podcast only to just say, give my thoughts on why I do like dividend stocks. Yeah. I'm more biased towards dividends. I'll say that. I will say that. I'm more biased towards dividend stocks, but um, I'm also investing in growth. I don't think growth's bad at all. Currently, um, I think more excited, and maybe it's just more of the excitement of, you know, maybe because I do have such a strong foundation in VTI and VTSAX, it's so boring that maybe I'm just excited more about uh, growth stocks, and that's what kind of gets me. That's what gets me going. Maybe that's what it is, and I fully plan on when I am old and gray, a large majority, if I have any stocks left, and I they haven't converted them all to VTSAX. If I have any stocks left when I'm 70, 80, 90 years old. I will probably have them mostly in dividend paying stocks. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And like I said, hopping in on the chat if you were here on YouTube. If you do not know we have a YouTube channel, head on over to YouTube, Average Money. We're going to try and do this now. JJ's back from Hawaii. I'm on summer break. We'll probably definitely try and get live at least once a week. I would say it's so nice. If we're going to be recording, we might as well share it. So much amazing feedback from the people joining us. I think we pretty much had, you know, 30 to 40 people in here chatting with us, giving, helping us fact check and throw some stats at us. Guys, thank you so much. Until we see you on the next one, take care, y'all.